0: Let us pray. Loving God, we pray that you will give us ears to listen, minds to understand, and hearts to love. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we heard a very dramatic and rousing and surprising story this morning in the first book of Samuel, uh, read for us by Sheila this morning. And It is a dramatic, surprising story of how a young boy, Samuel, hears God calling out to him in the middle of the night. It's not really what even a young boy who's apprenticed to a priest in a temple would be expecting to hear. Um, But I want to backtrack a minute because in order for Samuel to come to this point, a couple of other people, at least, uh, had to respond to God's call in their lives first. And so the first person I think that we need to consider is Hannah, who is Samuel's mother. And so you can read her story if you turn back a little earlier in the book of 1 Samuel. Um, Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah, and he was also married uh, to another woman named Peninnah. Now Peninnah had many children, but Hannah and Elkanah had not yet had any children of their own. And so Hannah had a lot of disappointment and sorrow about this, and it was compounded by a tense relationship with Peninnah, who was kind of always throwing it in her face about the fact that she had children and Hannah did not. Um, Elkanah tried to be empathetic. He would give Hannah a double portion, um, and yet he didn't fully understand, um, asking her, am I not better than ten sons? So, while he was understanding and not putting pressure on her in the situation and tried to do other things to make her life better, um, I don't know that he quite understood the full level of Hannah's disappointment. So, Hannah would take her concerns not only to her husband Elkanah, but also to God in prayer. And so, every year, they would together as a family make a pilgrimage to the sacred site called Shiloh, and one year when she was at Shiloh, she made this vow. She's there on her knees, praying, she thought silently in the temple, um, and she kind of came across as someone overwrought, and she said this, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look down on the misery of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant. But will give to your servant a male child, and then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. So Eli, who was a priest there at Shiloh, overheard Hannah's prayer, and actually at first he thought she was drunk. She was so... um, emotional and um, just showing so much passion in her prayer before God. So Eli's response is important here because it was a response once he realized after she explained that she was praying, his response was kind, and God offered him words of hope to offer to Hannah. So Hannah left Shiloh with those words of hope from Eli, and she went home, and eventually she found out that she was with child. And when her son was born, she named him Samuel, meaning, I have asked him of the Lord. So the next year, when it was time to make their way to Shiloh, Hannah decided not to go, telling Elkanah, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there forever. And I will offer him as a Nazarite or a servant of the temple for all time. And when Samuel was old enough, which is around uh, the time he was weaned, which back then was later, so around the time he was preschool age in our culture today, Hannah kept her word, and she took Samuel to Eli at the temple in Shiloh. And she said, Oh my lord, as you live, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord, and as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And she left him there for the Lord. And as a mother, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been, but that was the promise that she had made to God. And every year that Samuel lived there with Eli, and this is kind of heartbreaking, she would visit him once a year and she would bring him a new robe in whatever size he was at that time to kind of make sure that her son, even though he was living apart from her, would know that he was still cared for and dearly loved by his mother. So Samuel grew and lived there at the temple with Eli, kind of like a priest apprentice to him. Now, this was an unusual situation because Eli had his own sons. However, you also read a little earlier in 1 Samuel, uh, Eli's sons weren't exactly good priest material. Um, Back then, people would bring animals to be sacrificed in the temple, as that was their system of worship um, at that time. And um, what you may not always think about, and one of my seminary professors shared this with us, is that people would actually consume the animals brought for sacrifice, or some of them. And so what Eli's sons were doing is that they were taking sort of the choicest cuts uh, and keeping them for themselves rather than sharing them more widely with the people in their faith community. And so for reasons such as that, um, Eli's sons uh, weren't really the best ones to succeed um, Eli as a priest. So, Samuel had grown up um, as an older child at this point, maybe even uh, in early adolescence. And he was lying in the temple, uh, the sacred space at night, and he heard someone calling him. And he thought, as probably most people would, that it was Eli trying to get his attention. And three different times, he hears a voice calling to him and he goes to Eli each time and he said, I heard you calling and Eli is, no, go back to sleep. And then after the third time, Eli realizes that someone is trying to call Samuel and that someone was Yahweh or God. So here we see Eli's role in Samuel's calling. First of all, Eli had to respond to God's call in the beginning to A, give the words he did to Hannah, and then B, when Hannah brings her son back, um, he had to be willing to take on this young boy and raise him up um, and kind of add that to his number of responsibilities there as a priest. So, Eli has heard God's call and responded at each of these points, Um, And then at this point, Eli's call is to say to Samuel, this is God calling to you, and the next time, here is the response you need to give. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so once with Eli's help, Samuel knew who he was listening for and how to respond, Eli was then there to listen to Samuel the next morning when he shared the message that the Lord had given to him. And this, unfortunately for Eli, was not a message favorable to his own family as it was a message of judgment against Eli's sons. But Eli did not take out any disappointment that he may have had towards Samuel, but rather he chose to believe what God was saying through Samuel, though it may have been hard for him to take at the time. And this is a story with long-term implications so stunning as the passage we heard Sheila read earlier describes, it would make both ears, make both ears of anyone who heard it tingle. For me, hearing this story of how God called Hannah and then Eli and then Samuel and then through Samuel, if you keep reading in 1 Samuel, he also calls Saul and David whose leadership impacted the future of all the people of Israel. Hearing this story, to me, is a story about hearing God's voice, discerning God's call in our lives, and how that's not meant to happen to us individually, isolated from the influence of others. Rather, being called is something that happens in community Now, as a pretty independent-minded person myself, it took me a while to come around to this way of thinking about discernment as a communal process. Um, I was kind of skeptical of the whole many layers of, I don't know how many dozens of people were actually involved in my discernment process that led me uh, to be a priest. But I see now that it is so important to be in conversation with others as we discern what it is that God is calling us to do, whether as a community or as individuals. And so as I was thinking over the last few weeks and praying about what God would have me to say about this story of calling and Hannah and Eli and Samuel, um, God brought to my mind a story that's more recent, still a long time ago, but only several decades ago, Um, And it's actually a story from here in Alabama and a story that's especially relevant to recall this weekend um, when tomorrow um, we commemorate Martin Luther King Day. So there was once a boy who grew up on his family's farm in South Alabama outside of Troy. His parents asked that he help care for the animals, including the chickens, And because this young boy had an imagination, these chickens became his friends. He named them and he cared for them. And then they took different roles when he was doing his imagination and kind of using his imagination in his his play. He would preach to the chickens and he even tried to baptize a few. And as this boy grew into a teen, The civil rights movement was beginning to bubble up more and more in the 1950s. And so this boy began to grow curious about what was going on. He listened to a Montgomery radio station, WRMA, whose signal reached out to where he lived. And he started listening to sermons by a young Baptist preacher there at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, the Reverend Martin Luther King. And looking back years later on listening to those sermons over the radio from his family's farm, the boy remembered, when I heard King, it was as though a light turned on in my heart. When I heard his voice, I felt like he was talking directly to me. And from that moment on, I decided I wanted to be just like him. This teenage boy was so moved by Dr. King's sermons that a few years later as a college student in Nashville, he wrote Dr. King a letter. Now Dr. King read his letter and was so touched by it that he invited this then 18 year old boy to come meet with him. And he ended up taking this young man under his wing and encouraging him in his desire to go back home to Alabama and integrate Troy State and continued to mentor him as he made his way through college and seminary and gave him, though he was a very young man, a place of influence in the inner circles of leadership in the civil rights movement. This young man was John Lewis, who went on to be a freedom rider, a leader in the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and ultimately, a longtime representative uh, representing Georgia in the US Congress and an important voice who continued the work of the civil rights movement in the decades after his his mentor, Dr. King. In order for John Lewis to hear and follow his call where God was calling him to serve and how God was using him to use his own gifts, there needed to be people in his life who would help him to hear God's call And for Lewis, one of those people who helped him to hear this call was his mentor, Martin Luther King. While we tend to think of Dr. King's role uh, in the civil rights movement as that of an inspiring orator and the public face of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, it's also important to recall the role that Dr. King played behind the scenes in the ways that he encouraged others to hear God's call and live fully into their gifts so that they too could contribute to the work of civil rights. So as we hear these call stories today of Hannah and Eli and Samuel and of Martin Luther King and John Lewis, we have an opportunity to consider how we listen to God's voice calling out to us in our lives. What space are we making for listening to God in our day-to-day life individually? And what space are we making for listening to God in our day-to-day life as a church here at St. Stephen's and in our lives in the wider community? What we are doing here today, worship and especially prayer is a great starting place for getting our lives into the right space spiritually to be primed to hear God's voice in the rhythms of our daily life. And so my prayer for us as we leave here this day is that each day we find a moment to sit with God, to walk with God, to be still with God and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen.